Looks good. Look at that, look at the lean. Let's go. I'm gonna do you a spinach aubergine chickpea curry. Right. Now, I was gonna do a dessert. But then all week, bless you, you've been so sick, so ill. You called me up, you're like, yeah, for the podcast next week. <laughs> so I thought I could better just fill you with junk. Yeah. I thought I'm gonna give you something healthy. First pop kitchen dessert episode will have to be another time. A sickness remedy. Thank you. To I go to. I'm not sick anymore. I was just yeah. a bit ill. I had, you know, the cold, the version of the cold that we have in 2021 is, is much worse than we've ever had. It's the it. twindemic, they're calling it. Oh, really? Yeah. Ah. Twindemic. It's, it's the COVID flu combo. It's, it's going to take us out. Oh, so yeah. <laughs> is it like the, the meme with the sweaty man where he's trying to choose the two buttons and equally bad op options? I'm really medieval in what I think are cures for illnesses. I genuinely think a good curry and a run outside will actually cure most things. George, I've got some leeches. Talia's like, James, you just need to go to sit. I'm like, nah. I'll run it off. Uh, you know, because you only run or like you exercise, you feel all the. All yeah, the I know you, you come out. Yeah, but also I think that is me cleansing my soul. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I, I get it, I get it. But yeah. I'm sure there's like, I mean, it's, your body also needs rest. It's I, like, I, I, and I know that, and I rest. Right. But I'm also kind of like, you know, I, lo I do this thing whenever I see a doctor outside of a hospital. Yeah. I'm always, I always love to myth bust. I'm right. so annoying. I'm like, so when I crack my knuckles, just because I'm doing a census of all the doctors <laughs> I know, and I'll give them like three and they'll be like, you're the worst person in the world. <laughs> but then I really enjoy it. You know that Curb episode where yeah. he can't ask a doctor a question outside of the GP practice. No. He's like, no. you can't just see, can you need to check out this mole? And he's like, Larry, you come, you're booking an appointment. Yeah, yeah. I've like, seen the one where it's his, he, he meets his doctor's son and the doctor's son's like, oh, you've got a rash on your neck. That looks like normal dermatitis. I can, my dad can prescribe you with an ointment for that. And he's like, yeah, thank you, but I think I'll, um, I think I'll see your father about that. Yeah, yeah. And he goes to see the dad. He's like, I heard you wouldn't take a consultation for my son. He's like, yeah, your son is not a doctor. You're a doctor. Yeah. Anyway, this is getting cold. So look, tell me what it is. Basically, this is uh, spinach, aubergine, and chickpea curry Fantastic. with uh, some basmati rice and some lime, coriander, avocado on the side. It's it's a great go-to for a Sunday night. Again, if you're feeling sick and you just want mm. something to warm your heart, it is completely plant-based. You can, if you want, Sprinkle some feta on top. Okay. I won't tell anyone. With, with, with that in mind, I'm going to have some Go of for this. It. I'm going to just take a little forkful of the uh, ramekin that you've taken yeah. of, of uh, the curry. Pre presentation. Presentation. 10 out of 10 for presentation. But we, I agree. We the, really tried for the The plant-based angle is a far cry from the Reuben sandwich we had. Yeah. Um, and please follow us on Instagram if you want to see the full recipe. We'll be posting a picture of this and how to make it with what ingredients. It, we better do that. Yeah, we, we better do that. <laughs> so it starts like all good curries do, frying off onion, crushed garlic, fresh chili. Yeah. You add your spices. I like to hand in, just throw in a handful of fresh tomatoes because you get that added sweetness. Yeah. Bit of tomato puree. Then you've got a really good curry paste. That's like the foundation of it. Throw in some chopped aubergine. Fry that off for a bit. Two cans of chopped tomatoes. Reduce. Yeah. Um, chickpeas, rinse them off. Throw them in maybe... 45 minutes before the end. Fantastic. Um, I, I, I was working from home today and I was kind of babysitting it. That's one of the best things about working from home is the, is the, is the thing you have on the hob, on the, yeah. literally on the back burner, you just, just bubbling so away. You start smelling it from the other room. Oh. You're like, oh, what have I made? Aubergine is, is like the MVP of so many uh, recipes because anything with sauce in it, I'm like, you've got to put an aubergine in there because yeah. it will just soak up 
It's, it's like it's like a, it's like if it was a if you were a comedian, the aubergine is the best member of the is the, is the member of the audience that laughs at everything. It's had it three just soaks up all the all the good stuff and gives it back. You know what the aubergine is? The aubergine is a thirsty vegetable. It wants to take in. I mean, literally, with the emoji. Yeah, I mean, it really <laughs> is a thirsty. But, um, but it is. It, it soaks it up. I also have. I have a lot of fun with the courgette. I mean, I, I'm a big. I'm a big courgette I guy. I I love that. Sometimes a plate of fried or grilled courgettes. Um, question. Answer. So, have you noticed the avocado? I've made it very limey and zesty. Do you like the sourness contrasted with the curry? Uh, James, I don't love it. Look. James, don't like it. I love it. <laughs> Simon Gal over there. Really I, I don't like it. Oh, look, I'll tell you what, it. I'm going to pour some of this curry out. Onto yeah, yeah. I, sorry, I, I served the curry in a weird bowl purely for presentation. No, reasons. no. Uh, I, I, when I'm eating this, watching Curb on a Sunday night, I would have it <laughs> slopped into a bowl. or I'd get it on you the sofa. You wouldn't be wearing any trousers. With no trousers. <laughs> You'd I'd be just immediately the... like, mix it up all together to, to congeal it. Picking bits of popperdom out your belly <laughs> yeah. button. You're a much better cook than I a anticipated and b than me. You're a better cook than me. We we well, I don't think we ever cooked together. No, we, the, we never cooked at uni. And then mm. if we did, I think someone else cooked. Mm. And I think every time I see you, we're either going out or we're in a rush somewhere, and we'll buy a yeah. supermarket pizza and whack that in the oven. Yeah, disgraceful, really. We really took a gamble doing a food, yeah. food and film podcast. <laughs> yeah, it could have been <laughs> really disappointing. James, you've given me uh, crackers again. Thanks so <laughs> yeah. much. So a couple of weeks ago, I told you I was going to go see The Last Jewel. Oh, yeah. um, I did go and see it, hmm. and I thought it was interesting and very, really different to what I thought that film was going to be. Because I think I saw the, the trailer for it and the marketing, and I, I, I've watched it, but I don't think I thought too deeply about it. So I, I saw the trailer, and I saw, okay, cool. Ridley Scott involved, um, other great people involved. Mm -hmm. So if you didn't know... This is uh, The Last Jewel that's directed by Ridley Scott. It's also starring and produced by Matt Damon and Ben Affleck. And it's their first film that they've yeah. written together since Good Will Hunting, which came out in... 1997? 1997. So a good, you know, 20-something years since they wrote something together. And I was like, yeah, I'm sold. I'm in. Adam Driver, Jodie Comer, I'm in. And it looked by the trailer that it was going to be this sense of what happened what what like like who said who who said what what really happened and it, i ended up coming out of that thinking it was something really different and i think a bit better than what i thought it was going to be can i ask about this uh, this book as someone who hasn't seen it yeah Correct me if I'm wrong. so it, it's about the last um um duel in, in in medieval france which was about uh, a noble woman's wife who was raped so basically the last duel is set in 1300s france right. so middle ages yeah. i knew literally nothing about that period of history i did go with a historian which helped after my girlfriend studied history and she okay. actually studied okay. the, okay. the region which really sure. helped sure. uh get a historian and take it <laughs> but yeah so it's set in 1300s in france during the time when they're at war they're like warring with scotland and there's all sorts going on the film takes place over a course of about five or six years and and this has basically three acts, and you relive the same six-year period from the perspective of three different characters. The first time you experience it is through the eyes of a character called Jean Le Carouge, played by Matt Damon. Then you see it from Adam Driver's perspective, and then finally you see it from uh, Lady Marguerite or Jodie Comer's perspective. And it's one of those where like, you get the concept. You're going to see different scenes played out differently. But I, I really thought... I really thought it would be a sense of like, it will reveal what really happened. Mm. And, and what's good about this film is that that's not what it is. It's not a study of like what happened. It's a pure study of perspective. Right. And that's why I thought it was really interesting. For those of you who don't know, that the, the idea of it being the last duel was, this was one of the last times that in medieval times, if there was a legal dispute between two parties, they would fight to the death 
to solve the dispute. And it was seen as whoever was right, God clearly, clearly chose the righteous yeah. one and let them live. And that would be like solved under the king. And, it, and in the last duel, the king kind of says, well, can we do a duel? Is that still a thing we do? Like, yeah, yeah, it's still part of our law that we can do that. And the king's like, well, yeah, fine. Fight to the, <laughs> Does fight he to say the it like that? Are we kind still of, doing the duel thing? A, a little bit. He, he's kind of like, oh, is that something we can do? And his advice is in very different language. It's like, well, it's part of the law. So if we want to do it. It says, like, says yeah. it right here. It is set in France, and the language, oui. is, the, the the accents are not French. You kind of got this very well. We are knights of the realm. And, ah, uh, right. Jean Le Carouge, what do you think we should do? Right. And it's like, well, Jean Le Gris agrees mm. that it was differently. It's kind of like uh, the voices are a bit. If Will Ferrell was doing an SNL sketch set in the Middle Ages, oh, like no. I am a knight of the realm, <laughs> and I will pass this on to you, my squire. <laughs> so it's a little bit distracting sure. when you're, it's meant to be French, but it isn't, and everyone's called Jean Le Carouge. Jean Jean de something. Jean de something. Um, and yeah, so what happens is you have uh, Matt Damon, who's married to Lady Marguerite. And from, so from something that happens, Lady Marguerite says that this man, played by Adam Driver, John Legree, came over when you were away and raped me. And there's this whole thing where he, she says it was rape, he says it wasn't, and you've got this whole thing that escalates from there. Mm. And the two of them, who already don't like each other, end up challenging each other to the right, death. Right, right. And again, what I said, so you're going to see this perspective played out three different times. Yeah. And the first time you see it from Matt Damon's perspective, and I actually right. really liked Matt Damon in this film oh, yeah. because he plays a very different character to what he's done before. And I actually think he was doing something that I hadn't seen Matt Damon do. And especially towards the end when you're seeing him from a very different perspective, I actually really thought that's an interesting way to play a character. Adam Driver and Jodie Comer's performances are brilliant. Even if even right. if I have I have problems with the film, but worth seeing because the before I I, I do think this film would not have worked and would not have been able to pull it off pull itself off, <laughs> <laughs> and they wouldn't have been able to pull it off if those two central performances weren't as good as they were. Right. Um, and what what it became about ultimately, as I've said before about perspective, is not about whether or not someone was or wasn't raped sexually assault. It became about what is the perspective of someone who would think of doing something and what is the perspective mm. of someone who experienced that and what are all the other things about it. And I was like, oh, that's really interesting. Mm. It, were you interested in it? Yeah, uh, I, I, um, I think when I first heard about it, I was kind of on the fence. I thought Ridley's a bit unreliable actually sometimes. Funny enough, for, for someone like a director like Ridley Scott, he, he, I think he used to have a real seal of quality attached mm. to his name. And I think in the, if Ridley Scott's directed Gladiator, Alien, which we already yeah, talked about, yeah. uh, The Martian most recently. Yeah, um, yeah I think he used, to ha he used to carry a lot more weight. And I think now it's less of a, a huge guarantee yeah. of quality. Uh, and I said this before, I'd seen All the Money in the World, which was his previous film, which I thought was really right. really a bit of a mess. And uh, But um, but no, but then but then I, I was, uh, when Matt Damon was doing the press tour for um, Stillwater, you know, his recent film, oh, God, he yeah. mentioned, he was like, oh, I've got The Last Jewel coming up, and he explained it. And I thought, that sounds actually really interesting. That's how I knew about the fact that it was with Ben Affleck. Yeah. And, um, but uh, I've heard increasingly from people that, whether or not you know it might be flawed here, flawed there, I should check it out. It's yeah. really interesting. I think it's kind of um, it's already not showing in cinemas near me. I think I it, it's really suffered. So I, I, I re it's a real shame because I really did want to catch that on the big screen. And not to sort of flex over you, I'm glad I did see it in the cinema purely right. because it was a really challenging watch in a good way. Literally, there there it's are some things that are really hard to take in, mm. and I'm glad that I saw it in an environment which was completely closed yeah. off and I could take it in because I worry if I watched it at home I would be slightly distracted and not completely focused mm. on all of those things there are a couple of really nice 
detailed moments that you see you're seeing something for the second time or seen for the third time and you're like that is different mm. that wasn't said that character doesn't think they said that oh. or and and even so there are a load of things that you see yeah. and you're like okay so that's different that person doesn't think and there are a load yeah. of things where it's exactly the same but the interpretation was different i think this is why it interests me now because i i didn't realize that it that's actually quite a very modern way of very modern mode of storytelling yeah for a very you know historical period piece isn't yeah. it that kind of setting with that mode of storytelling i think is quite an interesting contrast and that's why i'd be interested to see you know you know from, told from different perspectives that's usually saved for crime films sure. you know uh vantage point, uh, vantage point <laughs> or the end of ocean's 11 you know just yeah, like yeah. the reveal oh, actually it was this the whole time and um for it actually to be about you know like a trauma like that and in in, in the middle ages yeah, I, I, that's piqued my interest. That's all I yeah. need. I remember, so I saw it with my girlfriend. We, we both came out of the screening and we were like, whoa, that was a challenging watch, but in a yeah. good way. And then we just started really going over all the differences and, mm. and, and why. And it didn't become, it wasn't like I thought it was. Yeah. It was like, what really happened? And actually, if I was to criticize it, by the time you get to this final duel, yeah. it's not what's important. Yeah. What, what's important is not what happened, although I was slightly interested to see where it would go. What was interesting, again, was yeah. like getting into the mind of someone mm. who thought events were like this way and actually they perceived something to be so different. And of course, like mm. the tragic irony of this of this whole thing is that the, the conversations that they're having about uh, whether or not something is or isn't sexually violent is depending on whether or not you can have, take pleasure from sex. And if you became pregnant from a rape, mm. does it? Well, if you you have to have an orgasm to get pregnant, so is it even rape if you enjoyed it? All these horrible questions are actually still being debated mm. in courts today. So it's a unfortunately really relevant film yeah. to today, and you can look out of this and feel very uncomfortable about the state of the world now. Mm. Do you know the thing about like about, about it being about perspective? though i think it's quite resonant because i feel like in the past decade maybe even in the past five years with um the increased like boom in do documentary viewing um we've realized that um you know everyone actually it's like the thing they say in itonio is like everyone has their own truth actually yeah and there is no and this like this idea that there is one you know empirical set version of events is we've seen it in countless documentaries where people's events counter one another and they're, sources they're, in history yeah right? and yeah. and and um and it's all, and it is all perception, and it is all perspective, and and I feel like narratives like that are increasingly relevant because mm. um, we are we are so individualized uh, at the moment, and the way that we things are given to us, and the way that we perceive them, is so uh, unique to our. And it breaks it reality. up like that. So the the film opens, and it, it's black screen, and it says the truth according to Jean Le Carreau. Ah, uh, yeah, that's and the truth get, according to yeah. And, and you get the Matt Damon's yeah, perspective, and then truth. after yeah. about 30, 35 minutes, black screen, the truth according to Jean Le Carreau, which mm. is then Adam Driver, and then finally it, it will go on to do Lady Lady Marjorie's version. And I yeah, really, I really hope I can see it. I really hope that sounds really really cool. I, I think I think if I was to criticize it, I would say that it, it did feel a little bit like it was trying to have its cake and eat it. So, uh, again, like the way in which I saw the trailer for it, it was marketed to me. I was like, big, sweeping, period drama, mm. big battle, like gritty, yeah. Ridley Scott-esque, flowy dresses and, yeah. and knights in armor. So I was like, oh, like, it's that kind of film. And I think if I was to, you know, if you were going to be really cynical about Game of Thrones, yeah. ending out of it, taking aside the finale, you could say, to some extent, it did feel, especially in the earlier seasons, that it was this little like CD, come see your tits and your dragons <laughs> and also your fights. But I think they actually got away with a lot of that because they were also a very good show. Yeah. So even though you did get that sense, it was yeah. your Sunday night 
fodder. Yeah. It got away with that. But Game of Thrones, I don't think, ever really tried to tackle anything really deep mm. on that level. No. It was kind of saying that women were objectified mm. and there were prostitutes in right. Game of Thrones, and that was it. I think when The Last Jewel enjoys a couple of scenes where I think it admires the female form maybe a little bit too much mm. for one scene, and then 10 minutes later, you're going on to talk about very he heavy subjects relating yeah. to like the male gaze and sexuality mm. and power. And I did think you kind of want to show both of these. There are a couple of moments where I think it's really important to portray uh, like sexuality in that era mm. and like the, the dichotomy that men and women face and the differences in how it's perceived. I thought that was important. But there are a couple of moments I was like, you kind of uh, may, maybe I've been very cynical, but I thought you do just want to kind of show some, or like you're lingering on the female mm. form maybe a bit too do much. Do you think it should trying to say it should it should be this this could be more subtle. Do you it, think it's tackling something really delicate? Do you think it should have been directed by a woman? That's a really good question, and I'm asking you, a man. And asking me as a man, and I, I'm a man asking that question, so. What I think uh, the, the right answer would be to say that it, you'd have a very different perspective. Mm. I know, I know the script. I know it was Matt Damon and Ben Affleck, but also Nicole Holofsner. I think is her name. She also was involved in the, the write the script. So yeah, there is an element I I, I don't want to spoil, but yeah, it, it. You know how I said before, it wasn't a case of what happened. It was yeah. about perspective. This film decides about two thirds mm. in what it's trying to say, and it lets you know very clearly right. what it is. Yeah. And you're like, okay, and it's as clear as day. You sure. go, this is not. This is not, uh, what do we really, it's like, mm. this is what happened. Sure. And I don't want, I don't oh, want to ruin it. No, no, that's it. fine. It's worth also, experiencing that transition for yourself. I wasn't trying to say that, oh, it, should it have been directed by a woman? Because, um, you know, magically, therefore, it will reveal. Yeah, you. yeah. But, um, okay, I'm going to check it out. If I can't see it at a screen near me, I'll be the first thing, the first thing I'll watch when it comes on And you need to streaming. see a drunk Adam Driver dressed as a knight reading Latin to a table of knights. I will, I, I'm up for that. James. Yes. Did you see the old Batman trailer? Did I see the Batman trailer? <laughs> it's very emo Batman, isn't it? It's very kind of like teenage. He's got the floppy oh, hair. Oh, it's angsty as fuck. Yeah, it's, you know. it's, it's really graphic novel. Yes. And uh, I, what, what you know, I took from it when I, I watched it and then rewatched it, stopping, pressing the space bar. This is the new, just to, just to explain is, to me if you haven't seen it. Batman uh, starring Robert Pattinson as a younger Batman directed yep. by Matt Reeves. Um, Who did... Um, the Planet of the Apes yes, reboots, which I liked. Really like those. Except for the first one. That was actually Rupert Wyatt. Yeah. Fun fact. Um, um, and this is, this is new. It's not connected to anything DC are doing, as far as I know, which tend to be their better films, which kind of dropped yes. that. Yes. Um, and yeah, they, had a, they, had, they did a trailer about, I don't know, maybe six months ago that had this amazing undertone for that Nirvana song, Something in the Way. Right. And it's Kurt Cobain humming, like, something in the way. It's like, and Andy Serkis is like, You've received a message, Mr. Wayne. <laughs> he's like opening up this Riddler question. Why? It's a brilliant trailer, but yeah, it's very yeah. early on. You can I, see. I it. mean, also, I, I I knew the I knew before I watched this trailer what the cast is going to be. They've got Paul Dano, Paul oh, Dano, who's good in everything, so good. as the Riddler. And I was like, last time I saw the Riddler, it was Jim Carrey, nineteen ninety four. That's a very different. <laughs> yeah. film. And that's also a film I used to watch when I was sick, actually, yeah. as well. Um, you know, who I, I always thought Jim Carrey would make a great Joker. Now. Yeah, not Riddler. I think if you cast ah, Rid yeah. like Jim Carrey, like almost in a whacking similar, not the same, but a similar whacking Phoenix. If Whacking Phoenix was busy, they could have got Jim Carrey. And they Do you not think that would be a really interesting? Yeah, film? yeah. Not I, doing the Ace Ventura I, I, thing. I, like, <laughs> <laughs> oh, right. <laughs> uh, of you course, get it. <laughs> of course, I, I I love Jim Carrey. I, I I'll always watch him. So yeah, that that would have been really cool. Um, sorry. Derailed. No, who else in the cast is Colin Farrell as? This isn't a spoiler because they've clearly. I'm yeah. looking very different because he's the penguin. Yeah, and he's he, Catwoman again. 
Zoe Kravitz. Zoe Kravitz. But uh, but as uh, you, Colin Farrell is unrecognizable as the Penguin. He looks like um, Val Kilmer. He looks yeah. like he looks like a <laughs> yeah. you know puffy or, or Richard Kind. He's clearly you know in a is. fat suit and then yeah. fa- facial prosthetics all the way over. But Paul Dano, love Colin Farrell, love Zoe Kravitz. Always like yeah. Robert Pattinson has proved himself Huge enough love for our parts. But okay, so they released the trailer. What do you think? I I've really enjoyed it. There are some shots in that trailer, man, which are so cool. And I, as I was saying, when I was stopping and starting it, every single shot in that trailer, you might say, well, James, it's a film, was painted perfectly mm. for everything. They, they, they had this real consistent theme of black and red. Everything mm. was black with a hint of red. Mm. And it's like, like I was saying, it's like a, a clear graphic yeah. novel color palette. And it, did you ever watch the Batman animated series? No. The cartoon? So that's like a really, really good, it's probably like the highest quality early, like early Saturday morning cartoon. And it's really good quality. If it's your first ever Batman content, I recommend to like watch the animated series because it's a great intro into like all the, all the villains. But that, that, that animated series was drawn on black paper. Mm. So most cartoons are drawn on white paper and you fill out. They started with a black canvas mm. and then painted the color onto it. Fantastic. So everything is in shallow, yeah. shadow. Everything is silhouetted. And watching this, again, graphic novel, it made me think that is going for a really yeah. similar, dark, brooding vibe. Do you know, what? I, I, I enjoyed the trailer. I thought, wow, this has got a lot going for it. And I, and I look forward to watching this. Here we go. I, it's, just, it's just, it was so full on, the trailer. It was so, it was so packed full of ideas. It was a lot. I was like, this looks very messy. I'm getting a lot of mess. I'm getting a lot of interesting ideas, a lot of interesting imagery, but I'm worried that you haven't been able to corral this into a cohesive uh, trailer, let alone probably film. And always, I always get nervous when superhero films have multiple villains or me- mm. multiple major characters. Spider-Man so, 3. Uh, you know, Amazing Spider-Man 2. Yeah. Just, just the classic thing. Oh, we're going to have Penguin and Riddler and Do you and think Catwoman? it's very easy to cut together a cool Batman trailer? Because you've got all the brooding slow motion shots and the flying and the, yeah, oh, I think vengeance. Like, yeah. you know, how hard is it to make that look cool? I think if you have the uh, the budget of, of DC and you have the cool shots, yeah, you can make a pretty cool trailer. I mean, it's not, you know... I was talking to friends about this recently about, uh, I don't know if you saw the Licorice Pizza trailer for Paul Thomas Anderson's new new film. No. Wonderful trailer. Oh, oh I think so, maybe. It's got, you know, Estelle Heim in it. Um, it it's it's, it's an amazing I, I did, trailer. Yes, I did. It's like the coming of age tale. Yeah, yeah, it, yeah. It, a brilliant trailer. Uh, it pretty much shows the entire film. Like, seen, I hate the uh, I know, I know. I know. But, but that's what I mean. This trailer is, is cut to David Bowie's Life on Mars, yeah. right? So you cut any trailer to that, it's going to look amazing. Like, you know, <laughs> so it doesn't, so when I see the Batman trailer, I think, okay, well, you know, you can you can put your imagery together and you can get your nice look, but I don't know, we'll, we'll see. Yeah, Robert Pattinson as well, I think. Yeah, great very, guy. Very happy Solid. with him. He's definitely in that caliber of hopefully going to do a good job with it. Such an established actor now. Yeah. Like, it's just, I mean, what great projects he's done in the recent years. Good Time, The Lighthouse, yeah, uh, high life. Uh, yeah, uh, I'm looking forward to it. That one shot where he's walking down the hallway, and I am noticing there is a trend of cool hallway shots, like Rogue One, oh, yeah. Luke at the end of Mandalorian, right. like the Daredevil hallway. See, it's becoming a bit of a thing. But you know, like they're just opening fire on a machine gun. You can just again, it's completely dark. Oh and yeah. All you hear is like the light and yeah. the, the lights are what lighting. Oh, up. it's the Darth Vader and moment in Rogue One. Yeah. Yeah, and it's only the bullets lighting him up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah no, I, that's sick. So that's out like what March next year? I think it's out early. Yeah, I'm not sure actually. I'll give it March. a go. I've got it was going to be this year and got pushed. All right, come on. All right, should we play a game? Yep. 
Okay, so I had uh, I had a little think, mm. and you know, you and I have talked about lots of films, films we've seen, films we haven't seen. It's a film I mean, that's right. And um, I was thinking, you know, James, you're a you're a videographer. Sure. You're, I mean, some some may even call you a filmmaker. <laughs> they're, they're welcome to. Why not? Um, and I was. I want to put something to you. I got a call the other day from all the movie studios. Oh, did they call? Yeah, all of them on a conference call. That's nice. They've all made up and they said, George, listen, we, um, you, we know you're James's agent. We I said, love James. Yeah. We love him. <laughs> well, please. He was so good. He's so good. And uh, they said, George, we want to use James uh, as our number one director to go to. All of us Obviously. have agreed here. He's so good. We want to use him for everything, right? They said, but we've run out of ideas and we've run out of money. So the only way uh, we can get through things is we want to hire James. He will be our number one director. Yeah. But he has a budget of $1 million per film. And he has to use that $1 million to remake some of the most famous films in cinema. And this is hard because a million is like the smallest large amount of money to yes. make a film. It's, it's, it's doable, but, but, but in a hard way. It's restrictive. So just to summarize. Yeah. You have to remake these films for a million dollars. Reimagine, remake. You can you can reimagine if you want. Yeah. You don't have to stick to the story, but you have to keep the title, and it's got to relate to the title yeah, somehow. Yeah. Okay. okay. All right. Fast ideas. Elevator pitch. All right. I'm gonna bring him. Okay. Okay. Film number one. Let's go for one of like the biggest earning films of all time. Oh. Okay. Titanic. Okay. How are you gonna do Titanic? And bear in mind, if you reimagine this, people will be expecting a film about a boat. Yeah, yeah. So if you take it a different direction. I mean, you've chosen a very, you know, visual effects, yep. heavy requirement yep. film there. A lot of water. Um, so I think what I'd do is I'd, you know, forget forget wide shots. Right, right? yeah. Can't afford them. No. Nope. I can't be asking, I can't be yep. needing to render like a detailed nope. high-res, full-size mm -hmm. Titanic. Uh, forget, forget expensive main characters, Leo yep. DiCaprio, sorry mate, you're out. Kate yep. Winslet, you're Gone. out. Um, I'm gonna tell a much smaller scale story. Okay, so you know in Titanic, right. there's a great scene in Titanic when Rose and Jack just finished the car scene and they run yeah. out onto the deck and they're like fully in love and then they cut to Anton Deck in the crow's nest. <laughs> and, they're like, and they're just up there and you know, and it's like, smell ice, can you? Bleeding Christ. And they just have a bit of banter. Wait, are you being serious? See. Yeah. I've never seen Titanic. You haven't seen so, Titanic? It's not Anton Deck. Wait, you haven't seen Titanic? No. You've not seen Titanic? No, no, I've never seen it. I know about the car scene. I know, I know. I think I know what happens at the end. Yeah. Um, wait, <laughs> oh my God. Wait, wait, was that a joke okay, you say about no, Anton Deck? No, okay, it's not actually Anton Deck. Well, why'd you say Anton Deck then? It's like, like Anton Deck. That's not just like 1997. Okay, 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 okay. So this is how, this is how the, the, that moment happens in Titanic. Rose, uh, Rose and Jack, yeah. like the height of their romance, have the car scene. Yep. They come out Steamy. onto the deck, completely just in love, yeah. laughing and dancing on the yeah. deck. It's the middle of the night. Yeah. And you can hear, the, and then it's the camera slowly pans up to the top of the crow's nest, yeah. where there's two two guys in their black coats freezing to yeah. death, right? It's it's the North Atlantic, yeah. middle of winter, ice, ice all around them, right? Yeah. And they're, they're distracted, and they're looking down at Jack and Rose, thing, and they go, oh, could you ever be in love that much, blah, blah, blah. And then... They're like, oh, it's freezing. I can smell the ice. Some, this is not yeah. the direct dialogue. Yeah. This is not what they say. Basically, they're not aware of the massive and then, iceberg. They're not, and then all of a sudden, they see a huge iceberg right ahead. And then they're like, oh my God, cool down. Like, get yeah. the phone, shling, shling, right, shling, right, right, cool yeah. it down. Yeah. And like, iceberg right ahead. The guy just <laughs> says, like, iceberg right ahead, gets the engine thing, rolls it, the captain <laughs> spins the wheel, grips oh. it. And this whole moment when you realize it's it's all, and they just like graze the side of the yeah. iceberg. God, it's, not, it's like it happened to me yesterday. No, fantastic. <laughs> 
But <laughs> and then you cut back up to them and he's like, smell ice, can you? Bleeding Christ. And you never hear from them again. Right. So what I would do <laughs> is I would make <laughs> I would make yeah. a million dollar budget thing of just call it the Titanic Crow's Nest. And it's yes. them two. Yeah. But you don't just see them right at the end when the iceberg comes. It's the whole time. So nice. they, they meet yep. up there. Got oh, it. Nice yeah. to meet you. I'm, I'm Chris. Yep. Oh, I'm, I'm Andy. A two man play. Two man play. And I think it's kind of going to be like the trip. Yeah. Where for most of an episode of the trip, it's yeah. about impressions. It's about yeah, sure. fil- referencing films. Are you describing then, our podcast? Yeah. And then all of a sudden at the end, it becomes about relationships, fatherhood, oh, loneliness, yeah. success, career. And then and they like, die. Wow, this has tried to be so much. <laughs> so mine would be like loads of really fun banter and right. chit chat. It would still be a three hour film. Um, yeah, and sure. then at the end, it would be this like, wow, we, we missed the iceberg. Got to go down. I assume the fact that you can't, you know, assume... Um, um, I assume the fact that you can't shoot this on the ocean and, you know, uh, on water. So would the backdrop just be like a sheet that you get two people to hold up? And yeah. Sort of like, I'd rent like a blank studio space, right. build the crow's nest, yeah. right? That can't be yeah. that expensive. But probably not. And then just, uh, yeah, like like a, like a big rollout two man, of the ocean. Two, basically two-man play. A two-man, yeah. I play. mean, like, you know, we know we know the love story of the Titanic yeah. that doesn't exist. James, I've got a new story that doesn't James, exist. James, uh, I think you'll have money to spare. Yeah, right. I think you'll have money left over. Do you think I can get a wide shot to establish it? <laughs> Or you get an iceberg. <laughs> I think you could rip some generic iceberg footage from like a David Attenborough film and yeah. then just like slot that in there. I'm still quite shocked you've not seen Titanic. L- uh, I grew up in a very anti-Titanic ha- household, really? which is a really weird thing to say. <laughs> like, like not watching that smut. <laughs> no, uh, it was no more junk like, mail, <laughs> no Titanic. I'm no, not an oil Norman. But <laughs> I know. When Titanic came out, I was three years old. Okay, and I think my parents had seen it and they thought it was a load of old rubbish. Yeah. and therefore we never engaged, it, never watched it, and I've wow. never. And I've never returned to it. I think I've gone back and maybe watched like, you know, the scenes at the, the end. Scenes. But also it's it's a long it's film. It's long, it's a three hour film. And I've just never really felt compelled to go back to that. But what I have done, this is really random, mm. is that I went through a phase when I would come back from a party late at night when I was quite pissed. <laughs> Um, of like going down a massive Titanic rabbit hole. Not Titanic the film, I'm talking the like history. the history. I watched, That's a weird thing I watched to get into, a like, two and a half hour animation that, that, that um, was the Titanic tragedy in real time. Yeah. The two and a half hours from clipping the oh, iceberg to City. And oh, they, rendered it as, they rendered it as an animation. Brilliant. And, and I was hooked because what they capture is how dark... It was because yeah. it's just, just you're in the middle of the ocean, in the middle of the night, and how um, silent it yeah. was. It was just it, you're in the middle of the ocean. Just it's just the stillness. And I found it so eerie, and I watched the whole thing on my phone, on my bed, like like an idiot. You know, welcome to the, the 20th like century. Yeah. <laughs> that, that that film is um, the iceberg hits right bang in the middle. So you've got an hour and a half. Oh, of your... I thought it was at the end. No, no. Oh, right, You've got a whole drama of oh like the God. ships going down and, and so so the film the film starts with Rose yeah. is eighty four years old. Yeah, the jewel. She, yeah. yeah, they're looking for the, the necklace and you've got real footage of the bottom of the tide because they actually went to the bottom of the Atlantic Ocean. They found it. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um and then yeah, you, you cut straight to after about twenty minutes of yeah. good old like Rose being old, and then you cut into the story, and it's it's the classic rich girl, poor guy, yeah, right. that whole dynamic. Yeah. You you forget that the ship's yeah. going down, and then boom, yeah. that scene I just described to you, and then you've got the whole drama. Um, you know, I will defend Titanic, and I'll say it'll get you, it'll get you. It's a tearjerker still. All right, you know it's, what? But there was there was room on that door. Yeah. Oh, clearly, obviously. <laughs> 
Leonardo DiCaprio okay. doesn't, uh, uh, he doesn't comment on it. He says, I have no comment. <laughs> he gets asked every single interview. He's like, well, could you have fit on the door? He's like, I have no comment. <laughs> I'll check it out. Okay. Should you though? Like, I think, I think you should. I think you should. Uh, maybe when I'm ill again. I think that's an ill one. That is an ill one. Because also that takes up the whole afternoon. You, have to, yep. you don't have to think about what you want to watch. Oh, James, that's a brilliant ill one. I'll be interested to see if it, it gets you a lump in the throat. Do you know what I should have also watched when I was ill? A long film that I have seen before, Gladiator. But I've oh, seen it for a long time. Oh yeah, glad you to be a good one. Ridley Scott. Are you not entertained? I'm doing the th you know song at the end. You know, yeah, the, the yeah, end, yeah. The, I think it's end. Sure. Yeah. All right, next one. Um, okay. Um, how about if it's going to be uh, you know Doom Rule the Studios on that conference call? Kevin Feige says we want to remake Iron Man, but you've got to do it for uh, a million pounds. Again, hey, let me guess. Does it involve like ironing, <laughs> like actual irons? <laughs> it could. It could do. It could involve like. The plight of a, of, a, of, an, of, a, of a dry cleaner. <laughs> no, so again, very expensive visual effects, heavy film. Yep. Um, can't afford Robert Downey because nope. his 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 wage is like fifty times the budget of the yep. film. Um, okay, so I would go. So, so I, I'm going to go with the logic that it's a remake. So Kevin's like, oh, uh, okay. Oh well, yeah. He's like, we, we've, we're where we are, and he wants to go. I, I need an Iron Man something. I need something called Iron Man. A straight to DVD, <laughs> straight to like DVD 99p moment. version. So I would use archive footage of what Robert Downey's already done. Oh, right? oh I love but the imagination. I would be wow. like, you know, you know, in the very beginning, he's in this huge mansion, like tech weapons billionaire. Yeah, I think so. I've only seen it once. And he's got that workshop garage downstairs. Yeah. I would have like the cleaner's reaction to seeing all this stuff. <laughs> Cause like, cause that house is clean. Pepper Potts isn't cleaning. She's too busy running Stark Industries, yeah, right? Sure. And then like the guys just starts mopping the floor <laughs> next to the the thing. And like you know, Jarvis is there. It's like Mr. Stark has said he would like to have the floors and his new Iron Man suit wash. And he's like, <laughs> what? Say again? Yeah, yeah. Hey, what's this? What? What was it, Piper? There's equipment everywhere. Head to toe, polished. Yeah. Why didn't you mention that to me? And he's like, he's, he's opening out the, the sweaty Iron Man suit that he's oh. been in all day. <laughs> yeah, can you imagine? Yeah, all right, keep it clean for me. Oh my and God. And it's like, do you know the Jarvis cam of him like failing to fly around? Yeah. And it's just a huge mess. And he's like destroyed his supercar. Mm. And you know, the guy, the, the girl who does the sheets, yeah. the bed sheets is like, have you seen this? He's like, well, yeah, I mean, I, I, I don't know what he's doing. He's going out. I see. I mean, this is good. I, I reckon I could wriggle Gwyneth Paltrow in for one scene and yeah. be like, just they could all be a committee. Like, look, this just is... loads of goop products. That's and, how you got her in. And you know, uh, he hasn't revealed himself as Iron Man till the end of Iron Man. Yeah. So actually, it's just a load of weapon tech gone really wrong. It's just a load of shenanigans, basically, <laughs> like told yeah. through the, like, the kind of upstairs downstairs vibe of the of the housekeeper and the yeah. <laughs> and the cleaner there. I want to know the story behind that huge wealth disparity. I, I want to know that as well. And also, yeah. what, it's a nice inversion of the whole like Alfred Batman thing. Instead of it being like, Mr. Wood, it's Wade, like, yeah. oh, <laughs> Mr. Stark. I want to see Alfred having a cigarette in the bar at the end yeah. of the day. Yeah.